This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Thanks for tuning in again this week for a new episode. Trisha and I wanted to let our listeners know that while we are continuing to release new episodes that are not directly related to the Black Lives Matter movement going on in the world around us, that does not mean that we have forgotten or that we are choosing to ignore the issues at hand. We stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, and we are committed to doing our part to undo the racist policies that are woven into society through systemic racism and oppression. If you want to know more about how to do that, one resource is our episode titled How to Communicate as a White Ally, Black Lives Matter. We encourage you to also continue the conversation with your family and friends to not let the momentum of this movement end. With that being said, we are happy you are here to learn new ways to be a better communicator. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. On today's episode, we will be speaking with William Warren, founder and CEO of The Sketch Effect. Welcome, Warren. Or well, Welcome, William. Hey, I'm happy to be here. And uh, don't worry, many people call me by my last name. I've got the unfortunate uh, fate of having uh, first names for both my first and last name. So uh, happy to be here. Just with the W's, it was just a lot of alliteration there. That's right. But yes, yeah, so can you tell us first a little bit about yourself and your background? And then we can talk more about Sketch Effect, which seems like an incredible platform for visual communication services. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks again for having me on the podcast. I love the topic of your podcast, The Lost Art of Communication, because uh, that is what we do at The Sketch Effect. We are a communications company. Uh, When people look at us, they think that we're maybe an art company or an animation company or a sketching company because that's what our product looks like. But at the core of what we do, we're about communication. So Love this topic and excited to talk to you. So to answer your question, um, my name is William, and I am the founder and CEO of The Sketch Effect, which you uh, mentioned earlier. Um, And we are a visual communications company, um, and uh, we offer a suite of visual communication products and services to our clients, mostly corporate clients, to help them communicate their ideas more effectively uh, through the power of visuals. So I'm sure we'll dig into that a little bit. But little background on me is that I never set out to be an entrepreneur or to start a business. I'm a creative at heart. I've always loved drawing and illustrating and sketching and, uh, you know, the Sunday comics and the funny, you know, the cartoons in the newspaper was uh, all I could, you know, basically my favorite thing growing up. So I set out to be a cartoonist at a young age and uh, there's a whole, we can unpack the communication that's in cartoons all day long too, but um My career took a couple twists and turns. I ended up uh, doing a stint in corporate marketing for a few years, and that's when the idea for my business really uh, began. And so um, it was originally just a side hustle that I did using PTO on the weekends, and then eventually the demand grew and the momentum grew and uh, leveraged it and turned it into a business. And so that's about seven years ago, and um, it's been it's been a wild ride ever since. This year is maybe the wildest uh, of the years with everything going on, but um, it's it's a lot of fun and it's a great adventure. That's amazing. So, just for clarification, what exactly do you mean by visual communications? Was it what is it that you're doing with your clients? Yeah, so our clients come to us with a problem, and their problem is they have an important idea or an important message or important project or something they need to communicate. 
And they want to make sure that when they communicate it to their audience, whether it's an internal audience like a team of employees or an external audience like a more of a marketing message, they want that message to to land. They want it to stick, and then they want it to uh, catalyze some kind of action to to trigger some kind of action on the part of the viewer. Um, and so, what we do is we help make that communication more effective by turning it into pictures and turning it into images and sketches. Specifically, it it takes the form of animated videos and whiteboard videos. I'm sure you've seen a whiteboard video. Most people by now know what that is, but you've got the artist's hand in the shot and it's drawing stuff out with a a voiceover and words and text. Um, But then we also do a really unique service that many people have not heard of, which is called live sketching. Um, the industry term uh, is graphic recording or graphic facilitation, but in essence, we attend a corporate event um, or a meeting or a trade show, and while there's content being discussed, our our team of artists are documenting that in pictures and drawings in real time, actively listening to the content and then turning it into pictures, kind of like visual translators, Um to make communication a visual, you know, tap into the visual side of communication um, for visual learners. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, it's all about making communication more effective in pictures and drawings is just how we, how we do that. I really love all of that because I am also a visual learner and having visuals in any sense always helps me. Um, and I also really like it cause I'm a speech pathologist and <laughs> I very, very, very low key do this with my students on a very like (laughs) rip off a piece of paper, draw what I'm saying because they are also visual learners and it helps them so much because visuals are more static and they can be interpreted a lot easier. So the fact that you're using this for um, just general communication in lots of different areas is so, so fantastic. And I think you're tapping into things that people probably didn't thing to tap in before like conferences can be so boring and you know having that visual aspect can be so engaging exactly and the, yeah there's definitely like a cool factor with what we do but there's also science behind it um you know visual communication and visual learning uh the science says is the most effective channel of, of human learning more than uh more than kinesthetic more than verbal more than auditory uh visuals is actually the most powerful um channel of human learning and so uh, yeah, we, we lean into that. We're all about it. Um, a, there's something about a picture that just sticks in your brain. There's something about a picture that cuts through sometimes language barriers and cultural barriers. When you see an idea, you get it a little bit better. Um, there's less room for misinterpretation, uh, less room for uh, kind of misalignment. And so, yeah, when, when you can get a team together, um, or in your case, uh, the, the folks that you, you work with, uh, and you can see what you're talking about. It helps that concept become a little bit more understandable and, and memorable. So how do you make sure? Because I'm sure when someone's talking about something and they have an idea and they say, in, in my head, this is everything that we do. If you're talking about a company, for example, how do you ensure that you and your team are adequately conveying that in your illustrations? That's a great question. Um, so when we sketch at, a, at an event, uh, we have a combination of words and images that go onto our sketches. So we try to capture the words verbatim. So if they're, uh, you know, f- uh, not every word, of course, we're not, you know, stenographers, we're not going to be able to write down every single word. Uh, 
is said. That's humanly impossible. But we try to capture keywords, important phrases, important ideas, and then marry that with a compelling visual, um, a visual concept. And so, in our opinion, the combination of the word plus the image makes it a powerful, appropriate uh, depiction of that concept or that idea. Um, every now and then we'll have a client say, you know, we don't really think that that the way you drew that idea really makes sense and we'll, we'll modify it or we'll change it. Um, back when we were at in-person events, the client would literally walk over to our sketch and point to it on the board and say, that looks great, but you know, maybe go with a different concept here and we could just erase it or cover it up and, and redo it. Um, now with everything being virtual, we can do that digitally, uh, with, since we're sketching on iPads, but for the most part, to answer your question, um, we try to capture the words verbatim, uh, at least the important the important phrases, so that there isn't a misinterpretation or um, so we don't get it wrong. Um, but there's always room to to kind of modify the final product to ensure that it's correct to what the speaker's intent was. I just feel like with visuals, there's such a vibe there that you miss with words alone, and so. I'm fascinated by artists. I'm not particularly visually artistic, but when someone captures the essence of a message in the drawing, that's incredibly impressive to me. So I was just curious how that process worked. Yeah. And we also have what we call our visual vocabulary. Um, Basically, there are a a handful of principles or ideas or concepts that kind of recur a lot with the types of events that we're working with in in the client's. Uh, right now, pivot is such a big like buzzword these days. And when, when you say the word pivot or someone says the word pivot, we've already got a bank of, of images and concepts to depict that visually. Um, so, you know, it could be like a ballerina, like pivoting and going to a different direction. Or, um, you know, maybe it's uh, that uh, drawing of Ross from Friends pivoting the couch up the stairs or something. You know, there's there's all different kinds of visual concepts that work well with um with, uh, with the idea. So, um, you know, most of the time, if, if, uh, if, if someone is communicating an idea and they say a word, we normally have kind of a go-to visual already in the hopper to depict that. Do you feel like your artists, because I'm imagining artists so dynamic and we might've just covered this in the last question, but I feel like people's interpretation artistically is different. Do people hire different artists from your company based on their art style and communication style combined? I just wonder what that would look like. Yeah, it's a good question. So, yeah, we work with a, a diverse team of artists, and uh, most of them we, we we train to have our styles be similar enough so that a client could hire one artist or another and still have a, an excellent experience. Um, but the, you know, everyone has a slightly different artistic hand, um, so. You know, you can spot little differences between the the artists, and then our artists also have different backgrounds. And if a client reaches out and it's about, you know, some certain topic, and we feel like one of our artists in particular could really resonate with that or really bring a lot of uh, subject matter knowledge to the table, then we'll try to line them up for that particular job. Um, all of our artists are trained in active listening, though, and I know you guys are super into that topic. I am too. So even if an artist does not have subject matter expertise, um, they can still step into a situation and lean into active listening to still try to understand, interpret, and then convey the ideas. So, you know, we'll walk into some, some, uh, some client session and, and maybe their industry is all about, uh, utilities and, and laying fiber and stuff like that. Well, we, we don't know, we don't know about that. You know, that's not our expertise, but we can actively listen and kind of immerse, emerge, or what's the word I'm looking for? 
inject ourselves into that content and really lean into it and, and learn about it on the fly. So you must learn some really cool things that you're not typically exposed to. That's that's honestly maybe the best part of our of the, of our work is that every day we're stepping into a different uh, a different setting, a different industry, a different client, and we're learning all about what they do. And so one day it might be like I said, like fiber company learning about utilities and laying telecommunication stuff. I, I, I don't know exactly. Clearly, you can tell I don't know all about <laughs> that. The next day it's healthcare. The next day it's uh, you know. Um, government like policy stuff like it's all it's all over over the map or it's a nonprofit. we work with a lot of nonprofits, and um so yeah it's it's really exciting to learn about a bunch of different topics so obviously we're ecstatic that you mentioned active listening for everyone listening to the show right now william has written a phenomenal article about the importance of active listening which we will link in our show notes that really stood out to me because it's obviously something that we are passionate about. Have you always considered yourself to be a pretty good listener or is this something that you had to train more as you got deeper into the throes of this sort of work? Yes. Um, I, what I always tell people, and I'm sure you'll agree with this is that listening is a skill that you can get better at and you can develop it like a muscle. Um, and then there's techniques that you can employ to to do, to do an even better job listening. And so for me, I have to turn the switch on. I think most people do too. And my wife can attest to that. that There are times when she'll be telling me something and I won't be listening very well and and shame on me for that. So I have to, I have to turn the switch on to go into listening mode. Um, And so, so yeah, I don't think I'm not, I was naturally like, I'm a great listener from, from birth, but I think it's something I've worked hard to get better at and to, to develop. And um and it is, it's a switch you turn on. It's something you have to, you have to kind of put yourself into that listening mode um, because it doesn't come naturally to most of us. Most of us are in, are in hearing mode, words coming in, words going out. And, um, and active listening is like a, the next level. It's a, it's a completely different thing. I think that's really encouraging to hear as someone who, you know, created a company based on, you know, communication that you aren't naturally yourself stating that you're not naturally a great listener. So what would you advise to our listeners who also say our listeners, that's funny. Yeah. Our listeners also say they're also not natural listeners. Yeah. I think, um, I think the, the first thing I would say to people is to really understand how powerful and influential you can be by being a good listener. I think there's a sense that listening is a passive thing or a submissive thing. Uh, there's a, there's a notion that it, you have, like, if you're the one talking, you're the one with the power. Um, if you're the one with the microphone, you're the one with the influence. Um, and that listening is kind of like for, is like a weaker or like passive act. And, and it's, that's complete myth and a complete lie. Uh, some of the people that have influenced me the most in my life were the ones that just sat and listened to me and talked and, and, and heard me out. And, um, I think most people would agree with that, that when you are truly listened to, um, you trust the person that's listening to you. You can, you give them more, um, more insight into, into your life and into, um, your thinking. Um, and that's a, that's a powerful thing. So I think that's one thing I would encourage people to do is just to understand that listening is a, is a extremely powerful tool, um, for influence and for, um, helping improve the lives of other people. Um, sorry. Yeah. Trisha, you're going to ask a question. 
No, I was just going to comment that I love that you pointed that out because it is a very common misconception. Whereas in reality, the person who's listening and gathering the info does actually have the upper hand. Not that this is what it's about, but right. there's an advantage to knowing things. And when it comes to a corporate setting, there's a huge advantage to understanding your client, understanding the person you're working with and where they're coming from. One, it's going to make them feel good, but also you're armed with more information and knowledge compared to the person who is just talking. When I leave a conversation where I've done all the talking, I leave it feeling like, oh, oops, like that felt good to vent, but I didn't get anything from that. I didn't learn any new information. So I just love that you framed it in that way that you actually can have a lot more influence and learn more when you're the person listening, as opposed to the person always giving the information. Of course, there needs to be a balance, but I just appreciated that. Yeah. And you get more accurate information too. And this is important for managers, bosses, anyone who leads a team, which is that if you want accurate data, if you want ac- if you want accurate information from your team, you need to be a good listener. Um, otherwise, you'll just, you'll just have confirmation bias or hear what you want to hear and then move on with bad data, bad information, bad insight. Um, and so, so yeah, it, it's it's extremely important um, to be a good listener for for a manager or for a boss. And then, like you alluded to, with with sales especially, like if if you are in a position where you're trying to earn clients or, um, or sell, uh, it's really the person who listens that gets the sale. Like everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be listened to and the best salespeople, I know this is not a sales podcast, but, but the yeah. best salespeople are the ones that shut up and listen. And then when the time is right, uh, offer a, a solution to the problem and, and kind of figure out what that deeper problem is. So, um, I think that's, I think that's great. Yeah, there's a reason that like when on dating profiles and job applications, the number one thing you want to list as like a quality about yourself is I'm a good listener. Right. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned this comes up with your wife sometimes. How else has this influenced your personal relationships and communication? Have you noticed a difference since honing your active listening skills with this job? A difference in your personal relationships too? Definitely. And I think one of the biggest things I've taken away, and this is what we also train our, our artists, is to acknowledge up front the internal and external distractions that are battling for your attention. And so sometimes if a family member of my wife says, I really need to talk, and I know that I've got some internal distractions I'm dealing with. Maybe I'm, I didn't sleep much the night before. Maybe I'm hungry. Maybe... Uh, I'm tired or, or I already said that maybe I'm I'm tired or uh, maybe there's external distractions. Like um, there's uh, a construction going on next door and they're hammering all day long and it's just driving me crazy. I I've noticed, I've, I've learned to just admit stuff and say, I would love to listen to you, but right now I'm tired. I had a bad day at work or, or I had a great day at work. You know, your, your, your internal, your internal emotions can influence the way you listen for better or for worse. Um, whether you have, you're in super, a super positive mode or you're having a harder day that can, that can distort how you listen. So I've learned to just call it out and say, I'd love to talk to you about this. Maybe right now is not the best time. Give me an hour, give me 30 minutes. Or let's set up some time to really intentionally talk about this. Um, 
So I think that's a big one. And I've encouraged people to do that. I think a lot of miscommunication and problems happen because people don't acknowledge the existing distractions and that can cause people to, um, that can rupture relationships and make the, the communication extremely ineffective. Um, when all these other distractions are, are jumping into the conversation, it's not just an honest, like true conversation. And I can imagine that happens too. Like when you feel like, Oh, I should be listening right now. I'll just, I'll just ignore those distractions. And it's, it's important, like you said, to acknowledge it and be vulnerable and, and say, it's okay. This is not a good time for me. And the person who wants to communicate with you will appreciate that way more because there'll be way less miscommunications. Like you said, exactly. Yeah. I well, love that. Curious what advice you would give someone who let's say they need to be listening in a work environment and they don't have the opportunity to table it. They have a lot of personal distractions, for example. And so you, it's not appropriate in that case First off, try to establish relationships with your colleagues such that you can say, hey, I've got a lot on my mind. Do you mind if we talk right. about this later? But sometimes that's not realistic. And especially I imagine with what you're doing, if you're at a conference doing a sketch, it doesn't matter what distractions you have. You're paid to do the job. So obviously right. you have some experience powering through, not the ideal. But what advice would you give someone who is in a situation like that? That is a great question. And I would advise people to do what our artists do, obviously not to the professional level that we do it, but taking notes is an awesome way to anchor yourself in the conversation. Um, I'm a huge note taker. Obviously, we built a business on visual note taking and uh, sketching. But um, I found that when you have a pen and a pad, and I'm a big I'm a big supporter of a physical pen and pad and physical notebook, not a device, because a device will distract you and interrupt you and buzz you and ping you and call you. A, a notebook doesn't do any of those things. So it's just you and a notebook and you're taking notes. Um, it forces you to go into that listening mode. It forces you to just focus on listening and then transcribing it as notes. So it's kind of a, a simple hack, uh, but um, I think there's something magical about taking notes in a conversation. And then going back to the, in, the idea of influence, um, one thing I like to do is I like to show people my notes and say, look, this is what I, this is what I learned. I'll hold up my sketchbook or my notebook and I'll say, this is what I captured from, from you. And if they want to read it, they can, if not, it just communicates that you were earnestly listening and it communicates value to that person that you value their time, you value their ideas. It's worth capturing and it's worth uh, documenting. So that's a simple tip that I would offer for people that find themselves in a situation where maybe they, they aren't going to be able to listen as effectively as they could. I love that because as a speech pathologist, I give my students quote unquote jobs all the time during like our situation that we're in. If we're in a group, okay, you're the writer, you're the drawer and you're the cleaner upper afterwards. So they all have to be connected and attending to the situation so they can't jump out and we call it your brain rolling out of the group. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I really like that giving some yourself a job in the interaction because you're right as a listener, it can on the outside seem so passive, but making sure you have a role is so important. Exactly. And you know, in corporate settings, they encourage there to be one scribe or one note taker. And I think what th I think that can kind of damage a meeting or a conversation because then it gives everybody else a pass to kind of check out or to not be as engaged 
And hopefully if you're doing your job well, you will be engaged and you'll contribute and all that. But it kind of tacitly gives a pass to just uh, not maybe not be as engaged as you could be. Whereas the note taker super engaged they're you know, they're capturing everything they possibly can. That's the whole weight of the meeting on them. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit. So you are the owner of the company, the creator, and we are in COVID-19. <laughs> so yes, we are. I wanted to know. Yep, we are. We're in the midst of it. So I wanted to know about how you've, or what you've done as a leader of your company to keep up morale and to be that, how do you be an effective leader in such a discouraging time? That's a fantastic question. And to be honest, I'm figuring it out every day. Um, and we're doing some things well and we're learning some things not as well. Um, but one thing that I've encouraged our team to do, and we've actually um, institutionalized this by making it a calendar thing, is to do more just ad hoc check-ins, uh, virtual check-ins. Um, when you're all working together in office, those things happen organically. You bump into each other in the kitchen or, you know, we don't have a water cooler, but by the proverbial water cooler um, and have just fun little moments. And you lose that when everyone's working remote. And so I think that can do damage to culture and to morale. So one thing we did is we have a Friday afternoon um, kind of close out the week meeting and it's totally goofy. There's no agenda. It's not updates. It's not anything. We'll like do music trivia or we'll have everyone show up to their zoom with, or their zoom with their favorite high school band as their background. And then it just kind of provides some levity and gets people connecting so we do stuff like that. Um, for me, I've scheduled a similar thing, just a one-on-one check-in with all of my team members, um, five minutes, 10 minutes, just to say, hey, how are you doing? How's your week? Um, previously, we, did, we didn't do that because we would see each other in the office. Um, and then the last thing, one thing we did recently, which is really cool, and this is not a, a new idea, I mean, everyone's doing it, but we had a, a virtual team summit two weeks ago. Um, Last year, 2019, was the first year we had our a team summit. It was in person. It was awesome. It was all about our team and our culture and for uh, camaraderie and morale and training and development. And so we did a version of that virtually. Um, it didn't look the same. It was different, but it still provided that kind of uh, exciting and kind of culture-building opportunity for us. But it's a, it's a big challenge. And I know I know in a previous podcast, you you two talked about miscommunications over zoom and over virtual platforms. And that's a thing that we're looking out for too, is uh, just making sure there's not miscommunications or hurt feelings or, or, or things happening because of the medium, because of the platform through which the communication is happening. So you have to be a little extra vigilant to make sure that things aren't being misinterpreted and things aren't, uh, you know, landing the wrong way. Um, so that's a couple of thoughts. You wrote an article about that as well, right? Um, I don't know if you wrote it, but I saw it on your site. Yes, yes, we did. Um, I'm trying to think of which one. I could probably pull it up right now, but we don't probably don't have time for that. But, but yeah, we'll it's uh, yeah. what was that? We'll link it in the show notes as well. Cool. But I just noticed there was one about virtual communication, I believe. Yeah, I th- oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah, we're working remote. There's just so much room for miss. And misinterpretation and miscommunication. And so, uh, you know, we are a business, so we have a solution for that. And that's one we haven't talked about much about on this podcast, which is animated video. Uh, so we do a lot of animated videos for our clients. And 
that's a nice way to kind of button up communication into a, a way that's uh, vetted and approved. And then of course, with the, with the, with the, the visuals supporting it, it helps make it a little bit more effective and understandable. Yeah. So you talked a little bit earlier about the fact that you had to pivot or that all your clients, that's a buzzword right now. How have you all pivoted business wise? What does your work with clients look like now compared to pre COVID-19? Yeah. Yeah. Pivots the word of the year. Um, and it's, it's becoming a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Um, you know, for business, for businesses to survive in a time of crisis, they have to pivot. It's, it's, it's mandatory. It's necessary. Necessary. The adaptable are the are, are the ones that will survive, and the those that are that refuse to adapt will not survive. So, when all this started to unfold back in March, um, uh, well, let me give you a bit of context. In 2019, we did over 200 live events, um, in person conferences, meetings, brainstorms, things like that. And so, we had a, a gig calendar for 2019 or 2020, and you know we're constantly adding new gigs and selling and. Uh, doing that. And then in March, that entire gig calendar just poof, just vanished. And so we, we set, found ourselves looking at our, a work calendar that um, had nothing on it. And so that's problematic when you're a business and you depend on event, event revenue to, uh, to survive. So we pivoted very quickly and we adopted or we adapted rather our live event sketching service to a virtual context. And it's honestly not that big of a pivot other than the tech, other than the platform, um, because the artist is still doing the same thing. They're still joining an event. It just happens to be virtual. They're still actively listening. They're still synthesizing and they're still sketching the ideas. Um, it's just on a different platform. It looks a little different, but it's really cool. So we, we, we pushed that out really fast. And, and to be honest, we'd actually done it before. It was not a core service. It was kind of just like a little side option for clients that wanted to do it. But in COVID, in the days of COVID, it is the service. And so we pushed it out there and we started selling. And at this point, we've done 50 plus uh, virtual events. And uh, it's exciting. We're still figuring it out. We're still, we're still pivoting every day. Uh, but that's been, that's been one, one cool thing that we've done. How did it, what kind of mental toll did it take on you to pivot? And what would you suggest to people who are having to be flexible and pivot and that's not their nature. <laughs> Maybe they're very rigid or very like stuck in their ways. How would you suggest people adapt that more flexibility? It was very hard <laughs> for me to pivot. I love the analog. I love markers. I love ink. I love, you know, historically we work on foam core boards or paper rolls. I love the tactile feeling of, of what we do. I think it's a really remarkable thing to see happen live at an event. And I love, I love being with people. I love being at conferences and events. So it was extremely difficult to, um, to accept that this is going to be our new normal for now. Um, and, and to answer the second part of that question, I, um, I would encourage everybody, uh, to see challenges as opportunities, you know, problems as opportunities. I think some of the best business innovations and the best, the best uh, things in the world emerged from somebody seeing a problem and then, or having a problem and seeing it as an opportunity. So that's, that's kind of what I've done to be more emotionally okay with the fact that our business is heavily disrupted and things don't look like they normally were like I expected them to look, but every problem has an opportunity. Every challenge uh, is a chance to get better and to, um, 
and to do new things. So that's how I've tried to see, uh, see this season of pivoting is not a, not a, uh, unfortunate reality, but an opportunity. Love that spirit. And I'm very happy for you all that, you know, 50 engagements in the last few months, that's a lot considering you had to adapt to your whole structure. Thanks. Yeah. We're really proud of it and uh, hoping to do a lot more. And, um, it's, it's been really cool. Great. So you might know from listening to the show that we like to end every episode with a tangible action step takeaway for our listeners. So if there is one thing that you think people could do to improve their communication skills, either based on the things that you've said or things that have not come up yet on today's episode, what would that one takeaway be? I would encourage your listeners to practice drawing out their ideas, um, especially those that do not consider themselves to be gifted artists. I know this is extremely intimidating to a lot of people, the people that say, oh, I can't even draw a stick figure. I don't want to do it. But actually taking time to draw out your concepts or your ideas is an extremely effective way to get better understanding of what you're trying to communicate. If you can depict something through simple pictures, then you know it. Like, and I've, and I've bumped into situations where someone's trying to explain something to me and they try to draw it and then they, they realize they don't really understand what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking time to draw out concepts, um, you know, and ideas is a really effective way to improve your other forms of communication. Um, there's a fun game I'll recommend called Telestrations. Maybe you've heard of it, but it's just like the game of telephone except with drawings. So one person writes down a word or a concept or a phrase. The next person reads it and then tries to draw it out in like 60 seconds. Then they flip the page and pass it to the next person. They try to interpret that drawing without seeing the previous word. And then you pass it around the room. And uh, it's an awesome game. It's especially fun with friends on a Friday night because it can get kind of goofy and weird. Um, and I would encourage people to, to, to pick that game up. One, it's just a lot of fun, but also it, it helps people get more comfortable with the idea of drawing out, uh, what they're trying to communicate. And, um, like I said earlier, if you can draw something, if you can depict something through pictures, then you know what you're talking about. And it's a really, really effective way to enhance your communication. That's so fun and not something that has ever come up on this podcast is the importance of our ability to communicate visually besides facial expressions and hand gestures. Right. Two questions based on all that. First is, do you know if there is a virtual version of Telestrations to get us through the pandemic? That's a great question. I haven't looked into that. If not, there should be. Um Make it. Yeah, because there should be an app. There should be a game where it's you draw like with your mouse, and and that would get even even sillier because drawing with a mouse is like extremely difficult. But yeah. uh, that's a good. I'll look into that. I need to check that out. Second question, based on everything you said, something random that just came to mind. What are your thoughts on vision boards? Hmm. I think vision boards are great. So you're talking about like, um, are you talking about mind mapping, or are you talking about creating like a, a bunch of visual references to kind of inspire and to more well, of the latter? But I suppose both are relevant. Yeah, I think the latter. I think a vision board is awesome. I think there's something powerful about seeing your vision, seeing your goal, seeing what inspires you. There is science that shows, there's data that shows that if you draw out or have a picture of your goal completed, like if we're talking about accomplishing a goal, 
running a marathon, writing a book, whatever. Like if you actually depict that visually and then have that in front of you, it motivates you to, to achieve it. Um, which is really cool. So I love vision boards. Um, and I encourage everybody to, if they're working on something big or they're trying to accomplish something to depict it visually and have it, have it physically near them, um, on a regular basis. I've actually heard that too. If you can't picture the thing that you want, it's not going to happen. There's no way it can come to fruition. So that's a really good tip. I always like heard about vision boards and I thought they were kind of like, you know, trendy quote unquote, but now I'm thinking it. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it might sound a little woo woo to be like, Oh, draw your vision and you'll get it. But what it actually does is it tricks your brain into thinking it's already happened and it makes it less scary to accomplish it or to try to pursue it because your brain in a way already thinks it's done it. And so that reduces a lot of the fear and a lot of the um, anxiety and things that would normally hold people back from achieving something really cool. That's amazing. No wonder you're so successful because you can draw out all your dreams and then they come true. Yeah, I'm drawing out a 2021 where live events are are happening and going gangbusters and everybody's back to normal. Let's see if that happens. Yeah, I love it. Everyone, they go to Ben. Everyone, draw, if everyone in the world draws one of those, maybe we'll get there. Yes. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. And like I said, very different from other episodes and other concepts we've discussed. Where can our listeners find you? Because I'm sure they will want to after hearing all of this. Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. My handle is William C. Warren, all all one word. Um, if they want to learn more about the sketch effect, uh, our business, it's uh, the sketch effect.com. That's the T H E sketch S K E T C H. And then effect with an E, the sketch effect.com. Um, and yeah, if any of your listeners are having a, ver- are hosting a virtual event or work for a company that has virtual engagements or virtual summits, uh, I'd love for them to reach out and learn more about our virtual sketching service. It's really cool. We've gotten a lot of great feedback from our clients and it's a really exciting way to add that cool factor like we talked about, but then also make the communication more effective and make the ideas land and stick a little bit better. So, so yeah, that's, uh, those are the two fo- places that folks can, uh, can check out. I went to your website too, and just seeing all the examples of the work that you do really inspired me. So I would encourage all of our listeners to go to the website and check it out. Cause it's, it's fun. I kind of got stuck there for a little bit. I was like, Oh no, yeah. 30 minutes of my day gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, this is a podcast, so we're totally on one, uh, one channel of communication, which is verbal. And we are a visual business. So yeah, if, if, if listeners check out the website, they'll get a much better idea of kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. Because it is kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing that we we sketch and draw for events. It's uh, most people, a lot of people have never heard of that before. So seeing it uh, helps make it a little bit more understandable. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This is great. And hopefully it was valuable to your listeners, something a little different than maybe the norm. And um and uh, at the very least, I hope people can walk away with a few tips to become a better listener, a better communicator. And, um, and yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good day, guys. Thanks. You too.